It's 11.30 on this Tuesday, August 3rd. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for choosing the World Voice of Nebraska to be a part of your day. It's time for midday. Temperatures warming up already. We're encroaching on some nearly 90-degree areas. We'll get more information on that in our regional ag weather update coming up in just about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins. We'll get some Husker news from Jason Jorgensen in sports. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing so far here on this Tuesday. All of that is coming up in just moments. But let's first get caught up with Susan Littlefield. Susan, what do you have for us? Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick it all off at 1219 as we talk with Mark Federhoff. He's with AARP. And we talk about the fraud helpline and the number of calls they get on a daily basis sometimes exceeds 500. At 1245, I'll be talking to the National Corn Growers Association's chairman, Kevin Ross, as he talks ethanol and the corn industry. And then Whitney will wrap up everything at 117 as she talks with Hannah Pearson with the NJHA board. That's a look at the midday on this Tuesday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. What do you have for us? Former Husker Isaiah Roby has been in Nebraska this week. He put on a camp for some kids yesterday in Lincoln. And uh, we'll get his thoughts about how his career is going. He had a breakthrough season last year with Oklahoma City. He appeared in more than 60 games and scored nine points, grabbed six rebounds per game. So things are looking up for him. Speaking of professional basketball now, break away here. If you've, it's a spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what went down in the Olympics this morning, the U.S. men's basketball team was able to beat Spain, so they advance on to the medal round. Also, uh, catching that game yesterday between the U.S. women and uh, France in basketball? I did not. That was a good game. And the U.S. had to play well to beat France, who needed to at least stay within 14 points to uh, make the medal round. But that's pretty high-level basketball in the middle and of summer. They're undefeated, right? Yeah, they the are. women are. Okay. Yeah, so, but they, they were... They were pushed for a while in that one. Also, we'll talk about what's going on in state baseball as those tournaments continue to wrap up in classes B and in C. Yeah, and I believe our sister stations out east in particular have been uh, covering in York and KTIC. Visit their websites uh, for more information on that. All right, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are uh, stocks performing so far? Stocks were lower earlier, but they are on the plus side right now and uh, are up just a little bit. Uh, the White House says the U.S. has shipped more than 110 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines uh, to more than 60 countries, ranging from Afghanistan to Zambia. Meanwhile, meat processor Tyson Foods will require all of its U.S. employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19, becoming one of the first major employers of frontline workers to do so amid a resurgence of the virus. And here's some good news for some folks. The Carnival Mardi Gras has docked in Puerto Rico, the first cruise ship to visit the U.S. territory since the pandemic began. Makes me want to jump on and say all aboard. Ride the COVID special. <laughs> I am I am ramped up about this, I'll tell you what. But uh, anyway, for those folks out there that want to do a little Carnival Mardi Grasing, uh, the ship's all ready to go. <laughs> They're back and ready to roll. That's right. August 4th. 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is now joining us. And for the most part, Paul, it's uh, looking like it's going to be a, a nice day overall. Right now we're seeing temperatures mostly in the 70s. Yeah, a lot of us with temperatures right now low to mid-70s, especially in much of Nebraska. But as you go into the Nebraska Panhandle, far southwest Nebraska, northeast Colorado, and into northwest Kansas, those temperatures more so in the low to mid-80s. But yeah, all in all, very pleasant. Looks like a similar day to what we saw yesterday. The humidity, not too bad. Most of us with the dew points around 55 to 60 on like up around 70 when we mm-hmm. saw that heat and humidity of last week. But yeah, today and tomorrow, pretty similar before we do see a warming trend. How about that haze? How long is that going to stick around? Expecting it to gradually push out. Uh, the southerly winds kicking in a little bit more. And you can see you know, more, a uh, lot less of it today. Mm-hmm. A lot of it now is just in the upper levels of the atmosphere. You may think, oh, there's a lot of thin clouds up in the air. But really, we are cloud creepy. Maybe just a few clouds from north central Nebraska on into the Grand Island and Hastings area in north central Kansas. But all in all, mostly clear skies. Just a lot of it now into the upper levels of the atmosphere gradually expecting it to get pushed to the north with these southerly winds. Mm, okay, so we'll have to deal with that again pretty much across our entire listening area. But for today, temperatures going to be more somewhat seasonal. Exactly, and actually maybe just a little bit below for average for this time of year, but very close to seasonal both today and tomorrow. Staying on the sunny side just with that smoky haze for today. Winds southerly as we sit between high pressure exiting off towards the east and low pressure to the west. The southerly winds helping to push out the smoky haze from the Canadian wildfires. Tomorrow afternoon through tomorrow night, we will see a disturbance slide southeast for a slight chance of some thunderstorms. There could be a few stronger storms, but nothing severe expected. A warming trend with mostly dry weather getting underway for Thursday through the weekend. Here comes that heat once again, a ridge of high pressure building up from the desert southwest and onto the plains. That ridge will flatten some Friday night to allow the disturbance to move through with a slight chance of some thunderstorms. Otherwise, our temperatures by Friday into the weekend Warming into the 90s, some locations reaching up near 100 with the peak of the heat on Sunday. Humidity will increase, but right now not expected to be as bad as what we saw last week. In our long-term forecast, above normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Sunday through August 16th, especially in Nebraska and Kansas for early on next week. In the early half of August, our average central Nebraska highs are in the mid to upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. Nebraska and Kansas rainfall will be near normal to slightly below normal Sunday through August 16th. It looks like those driest days will be early on next week. Key weather factors impacting the markets include increasing rain chances across the northwestern Corn Belt this upcoming weekend and heat and dryness for parts of Russia in the Corn Belt. Cool and dry weather for the time being is continuing. Several Midwest locations, including Indianapolis and Waterloo, Iowa, have received less than a tenth of an inch of rain since the middle of last month. Many areas, including the plains and Midwest, will remain mostly dry the next five days. The next few days, hot weather focused across the nation midsection, especially the central and southern plains. In northwestern areas of the Midwest, some isolated rain will be possible by Thursday and Friday. This weekend and the next week will be more active, which may bring some good rainfall to areas of the northern plains that badly need it. 
make that for the northwestern Midwest. For the northern plains, though, isolated rain is expected today and tomorrow. A front will keep the northern plains weather active for Friday into Sunday. Rain will be scattered but helpful, especially for soybeans and corn in North Dakota. The southern plains forecast to see only isolated rain this week. More widespread rain needed for the crops in the filling stage now. In Ukraine and western Russia, recent rain missed the drier southwest where temperatures are also above normal. The pattern expected to remain the same over the next week to keep the crop, to keep the crop stress going in drier areas of southwest Russia, including the Volga Valley. So not a lot of rain to speak of in the near future. Maybe western regions panhandle tonight, later this afternoon, but even then, not going to be a soaker. Yeah, it's going to be some very spotty chances of rain. You know, at best, you maybe see some localized heavy amounts. And, yeah, unfortunately, just no big storm system coming out of the desert southwest, lifting in some Gulf moisture on our area to give us some beneficial rain. Not anytime soon. All right. Well, at least we're not going to get the heat uh, that we had last <laughs> week during the meantime. But hopefully in the near future that uh, things change and we get some precipitation. Exactly. Things gradually cooling down since we're p- pretty much past that mm-hmm. warmest time of the year. All right. Sounds good. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. We've all received that message that says a huge package has been purchased in one of your online accounts. Or you get the phone call telling you that you have to give them their information about your bank. Surprisingly, people fall for it. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Mark Federhoff is an advisor with AARP on victim support as we talk about the fraud hotline through AARP. The fraud helpline is is something that has evolved for AARP um, over the last five years and and now it's really become a huge repository of different types of reports of fraud uh, for of frauds and scams. And so we're taking right now, you know, somewhere uh, around 500 calls a day. And a lot of the people who are reporting frauds and scams are, you know, ARP members. But we have, you know, people of all ages who are reporting uh, scams as well. And one of the really unique things about our fraud helpline is that. Uh, it's it's really run by volunteers. Um, there are obviously staff as a part of it to help coordinate the effort, but but volunteers are often the people uh, making callbacks to folks to help walk them through um, different types of frauds and scams scenarios. And really, an important part about our service is that you know the people who are are you know n- needing help um, in a situation where they have uh, been defrauded and they don't know what to do are you know then have someone to talk to who wants to help them and and really you know talk them through this situation and and make sure that uh, they're comfortable uh, you know kind of moving on from that the fraud situation that they dealt with what are some of the trending frauds that are out there right now so we have have a lot of scams um, that have kind of been a result of, of the pandemic life and, uh, and the one that that we're really seeing a lot of right now are uh, what we what we refer to as Amazon imposter scams and Amazon imposter scams uh, are have really come up over the last year and a half and they have um, you know taken a hold uh, of of people's lifestyles and 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 that of of definitely continuously ordering from Amazon and and knowing that so many people across the country are doing that so they're pretending to be Amazon and making outbound phone calls or sending. Uh, scam emails to people saying they're from Amazon when they're not really and then you know trying to get them to provide personal or financial information another really 
massive uh, scam that has affected millions and millions of people across the country uh, is unemployment fraud. And so, um, you know, what happened, what's happened is the scammers have gotten a hold of people's personal information and who they have then applied for uh, unemployment benefits in their name. And so we've had, you know, many, many people calling to report that happening uh, to us on the helpline over the last over the last year or so. And, and it's, it's just, um, you know, each state is dealing with it and it's very, very frustrating. So let's look at the Amazon one for a second here, because that is a very popular place for folks to go shopping. What are some key things that we need to look for to know whether it really is Amazon or it's a fraud? Definitely. Well, first of all, you know, like a lot of these scams, um, it's important to know that Amazon does not call people uh, outbound. And so it is, um, you know, that's that's one really easy way to debunk it. If you receive a call saying from there's from Amazon, it's a scam. Hang up right away. Uh, and so that's one really important way that they're getting a hold of people. Additionally, um, if you are ordering things from Amazon, you should know what the correspondence that you receive looks like. You can find out more details at the AARP website. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us and talk about some uh, NBA news or basketball news. Yeah, former Husker Isaiah Roby was in Lincoln this week. He put on a basketball camp for area youth. He's coming off a breakthrough season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he feels good about his future. It was awesome. It was a great opportunity, especially coming off my my rookie season where I was coming off an injury. I had a bad injury the entire season. I was I had a minute restriction, and even the summer leading into my rookie season, I was dealing with that injury. So this is the first summer I've actually had to work on my body without an injury. So uh, it's been great. I've been in Oklahoma City most of the summer, just working out with the with the team and the guys that are in there. But last year was a you know it's a great opportunity. Roby was a guest last night on Sports Nightly on the Huskers Radio Network. Last season, in just his second year in the league, he played in 61 games for the Thunder, averaging nine points and six rebounds per game. His future looks pretty bright. It does, especially in Oklahoma City. You know, they got a lot of draft picks. They're a very young team, and I think that he has a, a roster spot that... As long as he keeps playing well, he'll he'll be a good guy off the bench for the Thunder. I'll admit I was wrong about him. I I didn't think he'd ever make it. <laughs> so, you always saw flashes yeah, of that yeah. potential in Nebraska, but a lot of guys show that and never able to harness and putting it together. And well, as you said, he's put himself on an NBA roster and been productive. You just don't expect NBA players to come from Nebraska. Not so that necessarily. Might be the, that might be some of that apprehensiveness. So uh, Tim Miles recruited some dudes. He did. I mean, that he that did. wasn't the issue when, when he was here. He was able to get some dudes. Speaking of U.S. men's basketball, uh, the U.S. men advanced to the medal round with a 95-81 win over Spain today. Kevin Durant finished up with 29 points. Jason Tatum scored 13. And Drew Holiday added 12 for the U.S., who will now play Australia in the semifinals on Thursday. I think the U.S. is one and one against them so far in some of those uh, pre-season or pre-Olympic matchups that they had with Australia. Uh, the American men have never failed to medal in all 18 of their previous Olympics appearances. No pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no pressure on those you guys. You may remember some of those previous teams as well. Yeah. Those, though, those had some stout teams. Like the dream team. Mm-hmm. Best mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. 
Home volleyball matches and activities will be delayed from the start of the school year at Cozad due to some issues in repairing the floor at the Cozad High School. They'll not be able to hold events in the gym until after the first week of October. Project, which started last spring, ran into some issues this summer involving a tarry surface under the floor, and portions of the concrete also needed to be repaired before the court could be laid down. The plan is still to host some home varsity events at the Cozad Wellness Center, although some lower-level events may have to be moved. That's one of those things when people walk into the school in the summer and they see the court all torn up and they they freak out, mm-hmm. but. It'll be okay. Talk to some of the folks over at Coza. They have a plan, and they said by the time they get this done and they want to do it right, uh, things will be pretty nice here at the barn. And, and usually when you resurface those those courts, it doesn't take that long. You know, it's a couple of weeks here or there, but then, uh, you know, these the ran, they ran into some cavities <laughs> under the floor, so got that all filled out. At least they're trying to there in Cozad. That's right. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. This station. It is time for midday news. News director Dave Schroeder is joining us. Before we get to news, real quick, you will be out and about tonight with yes. our pickup. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll be at the Harlan County Fair in Orleans, Nebraska, mm-hmm. from five to seven p.m. this afternoon. Taking registrations with our Ram thirty-five hundred. All right, perfect. And do they have a special event that they have going on? You know, I'm not sure, okay. but it's always special. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Every night of the of the fairs, yeah. they have something different going on. Yep, I hadn't had a chance to check yet, okay. but. I I hope they do. All right, sounds good. What do you have for us today? Meat processor Tyson Foods will require all of its U.S. employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19, becoming one of the first major employer of frontline workers to do so amid a resurgence of the virus. Tyson, one of the world's largest food companies, announced that members of leadership team must be vaccinated by September 24th and the rest of its office workers by October 1st. Its frontline workers must be vaccinated by November 1st. Unionized auto workers at three companies will have to go back to wearing masks regardless of their vaccination status as well, according to an agreement announced today by the union and the companies. Three people were arrested early yesterday morning in Dawson County on narcotics violations. According to the state patrol, it occurred around 1.30 when a trooper observed a Buick speeding on Interstate 80 about a mile east of Lexington. During the traffic stop, a trooper observed a marijuana container in plain view. The trooper performed a search of the vehicle and located six pounds of marijuana in a suitcase and a handgun concealed behind the driver's seat. All three occupants of the vehicle from Louisville, Kentucky, were arrested and lodged in the Dawson County Jail. The monthly statewide governor's call-in show with Governor Ricketts was held Monday. Ricketts says unvaccinated UNL students will be required to take a certain COVID-related test. First of all, Don, thanks for calling in. Uh, My understanding is what the university's policy is going to be is that they're going to ask students to voluntarily let them know if they have been vaccinated. And if they haven't been vaccinated, my understanding is that they're going to then do the saliva testing similar to what they did last year to grant students access. 
Ricketts says he expects there won't be mask mandates for schools, including the university. Stocks turned higher in afternoon trading today as traders weigh another big set of company earnings reports. Investors are also closely monitoring the latest developments with COVID and its potential impact on a still-recovering economy amid the spread of the more contagious Delta variant. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. For Nebraskan. Ethanol continues to be a high priority for the National Corn Growers Association. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And during last week's U.S. Grains Council meeting that took place in Des Moines, I caught up with Kevin Ross. Kevin, a producer from Iowa, is also chairman this year of the National Corn Growers Association. So he and I talked ethanol. We, uh, along with the Grains Council, work on ethanol, ethanol exports uh, uh, in a lot of different ways and ethanol policies. And, uh, you know, we, we lobby uh, about, uh, you know, internal policies of ethanol, but also, you know, about other countries and what the export tariffs are on it or uh, what their policies are, talking, you know, in conjunction with the Grains Council to our folks, again, at USTR and uh, or USDA and, and uh, trying to make sure that we've got you know, the best information possible and understanding the policies of of, of different countries that uh, uh, that are looking to add ethanol into their fuel mix, and I think um, a lot of bright spots in in the world of uh, uh, in the world of fuels for ethanol in the future, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of markets that are untapped yet, but a lot of places that have a lot of air quality needs that that ethanol can help solve. So um, again, work closely with them in a lot of ways, and in, in, uh, in new countries as well as uh, uh, other countries that are consuming the dry distillers grains, uh, shipping by container or by a ship. Uh, it's just uh, you know a lot of different pieces that 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 industry touches. So Grains Council has a, a very strong ethanol presence as well here, and um, I think uh, you've seen over the years that those export markets are are really key for you know the ethanol industry as well. Let's bring it in here to the states. There's a lot of frustration right now with what's going on in ethanol, and and change of the guard brought some changes and some promises that didn't aren't being held true. Yeah, I think. Um you know, we'd like to see some stronger, uh, you know, some stronger stances uh, out of the Biden administration with, uh, in, you know, in regards to biofuel, backing up some of the things that they've talked about with support for biofuels. And I think, uh, um, I think they could do that through, you know, through a few different. Uh, a few different manners, but we've had some trouble with the courts as well too here lately. Lost a couple of lawsuits that, uh, um, quite frankly, we didn't think would would even get that far in, in uh, the E15 case, but. Uh, um, you know, we're looking at the administration to see what they can do to help us get year-round E15 back, and uh, it'll be next year sometime, I think, before we get through all this uh, this mess. But uh, um, we're going to continue to see what we can do to make sure that the access is there for the drivers throughout this summer, and and, uh, and hopefully have some solutions by by the time next summer rolls around. But um, yeah, we'd like to see some you know some stronger uh, stances from the administration. I think on uh, on biofuels and policies moving forward, and and you know getting some. Uh, <laughs> getting some RVO numbers out from for the RFS and and uh uh I think we can you know I think we can be confident that uh they're going to work with us but uh, uh we're going to need to see some you know some stronger stances from them and backing up what they said on the campaign trail. Well definitely you know the the proof is in the science and so I'm sure that's frustration from you guys when emotion kind of takes over the the true meaning. Absolutely. Uh you know I think in general um 
if you look at science behind ethanol and biofuels, you know we win almost every every day of the week when it comes to the environmental side of it. Uh, really, the production and efficiency side has gained so much since the beginning of uh, you know beginning of the industry and, and producing almost twice as much ethanol as we were in the very beginning uh, out of these plants when they were uh, first starting up. So a credit to the folks that you know that work in the engineering and the and the uh, science side of it, uh, producing you know producing the products. But um, you know we've got a great story to tell, and it continues to get better and better every day. Now we're looking at a lot of you know carbon sequestration uh, aspects that go along with production of corn, as well as you know as well as the uh, effects that you know continued air quality effects that we know we can gain with ethanol and higher blends. Okay, so I'm curious. The ag secretary was here earlier in the week, and he brought up uh, electric cars. But I've the first administrator cabinet member I've heard say don't expect this to happen anytime soon and he bragged about having a 2006 vehicle yeah um, it's uh, the electric car in you know the electric vehicle issue I think uh, is one that we need to be vigilant on and, and concerned about but there's a lot of upgrades that have to happen to our grid to other things that uh, along the way I think before that becomes a reality so uh, do I think there's a, a threat there for for the ethanol industry for sure but is there um, is it a short term of a threat as, as some people like it like to make you think probably not um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a place for those electric cars and vehicles, but uh, I think we've got you know an internal combustion engine that's going to be around for a very long time, uh, and and certainly a, a strong spot and strong future for ethanol as well. Not just you know not just in this country, but but across the world as well. How are crops looking for you? Fantastic. Southwest Iowa, uh, I think, looks really really good right now. So we're. Uh, uh, fortunate enough, we've been catching some good rains, and and uh, hopefully we can get a few more here along the way. But um, I think it was raining this morning at home and in some spots, but uh, a little a little bit spotty. I think I had a tenth on one farm and a half inch on another. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, not not uh, not ideal right at, right at home. It didn't sound like, but um, we'll get back there and hopefully we can catch another one over the next few days. And and there's you know crops around there overall look really really good, and and uh, it's supposed to cool off here coming up too. So I think. Uh, you know, getting towards the tail end of pollination and get into the grain fill here now, we'll be uh, looking for some really good yields. That's my conversation with Kevin Ross, who is chairman of the National Corn Growers Association. He was in attendance last week at the U.S. Grains Council meeting in Des Moines. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks were lower in early trading, but they've bounced back a little bit. Traders are weighing another big set of company earnings reports today. Investors are also remaining cautious amid the spread of the more contagious Delta variant of COVID-19. The Dow's 30 industrials at last check up over 200 points. The Nasdaq Composite up a little over 39. And the S&P 500 up about 25. The White House says the U.S. has shipped more than 110 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines to more than 60 countries, ranging from Afghanistan to Zambia. President Joe Biden was expected to discuss that milestone and more today in remarks about the U.S. strategy to slow the spread of the coronavirus abroad. Meat processor Tyson Foods will require all of its U.S. employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19 becoming one of the first major employers of frontline workers to do so amid a resurgence of the virus. 
Tyson, one of the world's largest food companies, announcing today that members of its leadership team must be vaccinated by September 24th and the rest of its office workers by October 1st. Its frontline workers must be vaccinated by November 1st. It's a perfect day for Reese Witherspoon as the actress and producer is selling the media company she founded to a newly formed company backed by private equity firm Blackstone Group. Terms of the transaction were not disclosed, but the Wall Street Journal reported that the deal was worth about $900 million. Witherspoon, known for her roles in films such as Legally Blonde and Walk the Line, created Hello Sunshine in 2016. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brooke. Lifelong ambitions, national pride, and fierce competition are in full display in Tokyo, and we're here to bring you the results and the drama behind them. CBS Sports Briefs from the Summer Games. Listen for special Olympic reports on 88. Whitney Steckle joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Hannah Pearson of Ocano, Nebraska, recently got elected to the National Junior Hereford Association Board of Directors during the 2021 National Junior Hereford Expo held in Kansas City, Missouri. The National Junior Hereford Association has 3,800 active members and currently has two Nebraskans serving on the national board. Today, we are joined by Hannah on the phone. Hannah, tell me a little bit about how you got started in the Hereford breed and why the breed means so much to you. So how I got started is actually my brother was the one that wanted to start buying Hereford calves to show at our county fair. And I was upset that my big brother got to have this brand new calf and I didn't get anything. And so I ended up talking to my parents into getting me calf and I instantly fell in love with them. And this breed means so much to me. Just going back to that Hereford family, it truly is a family. I have met amazing people that have supported me in all my goals and dreams and have helped driven me and truly grown myself. So that Hereford family that you talk about, that was a big driving force for you wanting to run for the board, right? Yep. I just want to be a leader for those younger kids. And I want to be that person that reach out and helps those kids. And I understand not being from a five-generation Hereford family. I understand starting on your own and having to figure that out. And if I can be that person that also helps those juniors reach for those goals and aspirations, that is awesome. And I felt that running for the board would really help me reach that goal. So in the last few years, there's been some other Nebraskans on the board. Hannah Williams and Ralston Ripp, both of Kearney. Hannah recently just retiring from the board and uh, Ralston getting on last year. What's it like to serve with other people from the state? It's really awesome. Those are some ladies that I've served on the board on a state level, and now I get to serve with Ralston on a national level. And it's really nice to have someone there that can help you build as a person and be kind of that confidant. And you all have the end goal of helping the Hereford breed and helping the juniors. And they're really great ladies for me to look up to and grow as not only a Hereford junior, but just a breeder in person in general. So what type of role do you want to play on the National Junior Hereford Association board? I would just like to see the board keep growing and the association keep growing and make sure that we're moving in the future. And if that's changing things up in the contest, I'm all for that. Or if that's just making sure that we are staying fresh and relevant and not letting 
things get stale and things just stay the same just because that's how we've always done them. I think it's important to stick with those traditions, but I think especially in this day and age, it's important to look forward towards the future and keep things fresh. So transferring back to you, you're headed back to school this fall. Tell me a little bit about, you know, where you're attending school and what your major is. So I am currently going to be a junior at Texas Tech University, and I am majoring in agricultural communications with a minor in animal science, and I chose that AgCom route just to be able to help share my story and share all ag producers' story and be that marketing and that visionary person. Do you have anything else that you would like to add for us today? I guess just for all those young juniors out there, always keep the Hereford breed in mind. We always want more juniors to come and welcome everybody. And the Hereford breed is truly the best breed out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Hannah. We appreciate it. Thank you, Whitney. Again, that is Hannah Pearson from Oconnell, Nebraska. This has been Whitney Steckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain trade once again with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John, grain's catching some pressure here today, but Kansas City wheat is the standout, standalone grain that's uh, kind of standing away from it. How was it able to pull away when the rest of the complex was sinking? Well, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that's developed in the wheat trade, specifically versus corn. You know, if you talk to me in July... You look at the July futures 21 now versus the July 21 KC wheat futures. We're like a dollar over, meaning we're trading close to seven seven fifty on the front month corn contract. That being July, and that KC contract facing harvest pressure was somewhere around six, maybe even the high fives. Now you look out into 22, and we're at the exact opposite spot. We're a dollar fifty over the other way. So. At some point, I gotta think that spread comes in. All the feeding that's been going on in Southwest Kansas and into the Panhandle of Texas, those folks are gonna continue to feed wheat. So I think the dynamic spread that you want to look at here is July 22, trading a dollar, dollar fifty under the the, the KC wheat. KC wheat's gonna get acres, in my opinion. You've got supply given the the good yields that we just had, and then you have bean prices that are high, so that'll incentivize the double crop. So uh, short term here, I think you'll see some lagging of corn, but I, I think in the long run here, uh, just the ability for wheat to trade up tells me that corn's going to have to run at some point. Obviously, digesting supply is what we're about right now, but uh, that won't last forever. I think an early harvest low will be made somewhere here in the next two or three weeks. You know, when we're talking about the end users, a lot of South, South Texas feed yards or even Southern Plains in general switching rations if they could haul two commodities, uh, switching over to some wheat rations where they could take advantage of it. Are we getting now back to price levels where corn is going to become that prime feed grade again, feed grain again? I mean, it's priced that way. Now, when you factor in the basis, you can look out west and say, well, the basis out west is going to be 30, 40 under and the corn basis is going to be 50, 60 over. Well, that's certainly possible, but that still puts the feed rations in corn, keeps the demand high, and along as well, uh, you know, should limit the use of KC wheat, if that's going to, if that's the, the theme. Now, this is a longer-term developing trade to look at, so, uh, you know, the one thing I say, look at next year and sell, sell wheat now, $7 wheat, and consider that a corn hedge, assuming corn prices go up like they did a year ago, you'll see that spread come in, or vice versa, come out and buy the corn now and look to sell the wheat in the shorter run, uh, just given that uh, the end users have the break. So, um, 
you know, sub five dollar corn is going to be sub two hundred dollar metric ton, and we're trading two sixty on the ports in wheat. So I think there's some room there to come in. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, train future options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up Midday here at KRVN. Catch the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Duvenny Motors, wherever podcasts are available, or krvn.com.